Welcome to the Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. Larry is the author of over 40 books, the founder of Dove International, a worldwide family of churches and ministries in six continents, and has over 50 years of leadership experience. He and his guests will share inspirational leadership insights from their journey with God. These insights, gleaned from serving leaders in many nations, will transform your life and leadership. For more information on Larry's books and resources, visit LarryKreider.com. Larry Crowder here with the Larry Crowder Leadership Podcast. This week, really excited, having with me right here in this room, Lester Zimmerman, my friend for many years from the Hope World Network. Welcome. Thank you, Larry. It's good to be here with you. I'm looking forward to our talk today. This is going to be fun, really. Uh, Let's let's talk about Lester. You know, I I remember you years ago. I mean, my first recollection of you was I married a Mennonite pastor's daughter. I remember on a Sunday night we had a we had a service in that church, and they had this guest speaker from Baltimore. His name was Lester Zimmerman. That's the first I remember. And uh, so you talk about growing up. You grew you grew up in this general area, South Central Pennsylvania, correct? Right. I grew up in Lebanon County, just north of Lancaster County. And you came. You come to Christ at a young age. I came to yeah, up around sixteen. Okay, fifteen, sixteen. I came to faith. Okay, and then how? I know it wasn't long. You were pretty young when you were ended up in Baltimore somewhere. Is that right? Talk to us about that. Yeah, I probably in my youth group days, I began to feel called toward ministry. Okay, and so I went to Bible school. And where'd you go? Uh, uh, Rosedale Bible Institute sure. out in Ohio. Okay. So I w- went out there. While I was out there, still st- this call to ministry was stirring. I didn't know what it meant. So I started looking at missions. Okay. And uh, found out that there was a opening in Baltimore, in Baltimore City. And so, so how old were you when all this was going on? I was probably about 21. Really? When okay. I... Ended up in Baltimore. Right? It's amazing how God often uses things when we're young, when we're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, right. in preparation for our future. So what did you do in Baltimore? There was a youth ministry. It was called Youth Haven. Okay. So we worked with the kids off of the street. And then we also had a camp, Camp Andrews, down at the bus. Oh, sure, I remember but, that. Right. So yeah. we would bring kids up from the city and their first time out of the city. It was really, really fun bringing the kids up to the camp. Okay. So when you look back and you're like 20, 21, 22, 23, over that time involved in ministry in Baltimore, do you remember anything you learned about leadership, even when you were that young, that you still apply today? Well, you got, I think I learned that I uh, just really needed to put my trust in the Lord because God kept pushing me out of my comfort zone. Right. And I think that's one thing about leadership is you got to you got to learn to step out of your comfort zone. If you just stay where it's comfortable, you're not going to go very that's far. That's a key leadership concept. You know, don't stay where we're at. When God nudges us, be willing to right. take a step of faith. So how long were you in, in Baltimore? Uh, I was there seven years. And you were married when you were there? No, I, I was single when I went down there. Oh, wow. I, that's where I met my wife, Irma. Oh, I didn't know that. She's actually from this area. Area from Lancaster County, right? And she was in missions in in the city, and we met there. So, and we were married while we were there. Had our first child in the while we were living in the city. Well, that's so cool because you're involved in ministry, and in involved in ministry, God used that to prepare you and connect you with your wife, right? You know, and and uh, that's that's amazing, amazing thing. So. You were there, and then when did you come back to this area? I mean, we're in South Central Pennsylvania here for people who are listening from different parts of the world. When did you come back to this area? 
I think it was 1980, okay. we, we returned to the county. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when you came back here, did you get involved in ministry right away, or did you do something else, or what did that No, like? I, I think I was somewhat burned out sure. from the inner city ministry. Just We had planted a church in the city, and, uh, and that came to an end. And so we decided this is a good time to take a break. So we came back to this area, which okay. is my wife's home area. And you grew up north of here in, in Lebanon, Lebanon, County. Lebanon County. You came back to Lancaster we County. We came back to Lancaster okay. County. And so, um, yeah, that was in the around 1980. And uh, no, I just wanted to, I didn't want ministry. In fact, we started attending Hopewell Mennonite Church. Okay. They were in the midst of revival. I got a job at Ephrata Hospital working in the mental okay. health unit. And I told my wife, don't tell anybody at the church that I'm a pastor. <laughs> I said, I don't want anybody coming after me for ministry or doing any of that. But we, we ended up joining a small group then sure. in the New Holland area. It's so interesting you say that because I remember telling my wife, Laverne, many times, the last thing I'm going to ever do is be a pastor. I mean, I don't, because people look at me different. Right. I just want to be a believer, a lover of Jesus, follower of Jesus, lead people to Christ, disciple them, but not be a pastor. Right. But God had other plans for a season of my life and your life. Okay, so continue with the process. When did you get an idea that maybe you are called to be a church leader? Like, how did that happen? You mean after? Yeah, we're like, you're here in the county. Right now, you're working in the hospital. Don't tell anybody I'm a pastor. Right. Something changed somewhere because you have been a pastor for many years. We were part of this small group that was from uh, the Hopewell Church. Right. And so we would travel back and forth to, that was then in Morgantown, about 30 minutes from here. And um, one day the uh, pastor found out that (laughs) that I had a background of of ministry, pastoral ministry. And he came to me and asked if uh, we would consider taking this small group and planting a church in the New Holland area with that. And uh, that started the journey. So that was Petra. That, was, that became Petra, yes. Okay, so was it called Petra in the beginning? Uh, well, no, it was just a small group in okay. the beginning. Oh, I see. Okay. It was just a small group. So he came and uh, um, asked if we would do that. And... Uh, my wife and I, neither of us had any interest at all in planning a church, especially not in Lancaster County. Right. Because we, we, uh, when we were living in Baltimore, um, I made this bold statement that I will never go back to the county. You know, <laughs> that I want, I want to be involved in ministry where I felt I was really needed. And sure. city ministry is just, there's so many needs. Right. And when I looked at Lancaster County, come back here, I said, there's churches all over the place. I said, there's too many churches in this area. And I, so when the pastor asked me to take this small group and plant a church, um, my heart said no, but my, I knew enough to say, I'll pray about it. (laughs) And I did, I I wanted God's will. We were, we were in this time of uh, reflection of where we were going to go next. We were sure we were going back to the city. Right. Uh, and uh, but I said, I'll pray about it. And uh, so I did. I took some a season of just praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? And again, there was n- nothing in me that wanted to plant a church in this area. Nothing. And I had no vision, no desire. So one day while I was praying, uh, the Lord gave me an open vision. Wow. And I'm not given to open visions. I so at first, I didn't know what was going on. I was awake. I, was, I had been praying. And all at once, this scene began to 
open up in in my mind's sure. eye, and and I began to see something. And what I saw was a. Um, we were living in Turry Hill at the time, and it was like I was looking down over the the Turry Hill into the New Holland area, sure. and all I saw was barns, uh, just barns, 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 no trees, no houses, just barns. It was just filled. With, this whole area was filled with barns, and I said, "What is that?" And uh, so I asked the Lord, "What? What? What are you saying?" And he he said one one phrase, one sentence into my spirit that changed everything, immediately changed my heart. He said, I need many barns for my harvest. Wow. And it was convicting because I, in my heart, I was saying there's too many barns, too yeah, many churches sure. in the county. Right. And send me somewhere else, God. I don't want to do this. And God was saying, I see something that you don't see. I see something coming where I'm going to need a lot of barns for the harvest. Wow. So I believe there's a great harvest yet to come so do I. In, in this whole region. And, and so I said, God, if, if you need another barn for the harvest that's coming, I'll build you a barn. And so, so then I, my wife and I, you know, of course, talked about it, and we agreed that this was a God thing. And so I told the pastor, I'll take this small group, and we'll— We'll plant a church with that. So you started, you built a barn. I built a barn simply based on a prophetic word, a prophetic That's vision. That's amazing. No vision, no plan, no strategy. Yeah. We just started out of pure obedience. Sure. And it also shows how that, if we're not sure what God's saying, or even if we're resisting something God's saying, if our hearts are right, God will get our attention. Yes. So he used that open vision to get your attention. Right. Or the barn. Right. That is just amazing. So what? which year did you actually start in New Holland? 1983. 1983. And if I remember correctly, were you in a fire hall or something to start? We started... We actually started, we te kind of tested the ground to see how much interest there was. Uh, we started um, actually the fall of 1982 in Hinkletown Mennonite School. Okay. Uh, just for some evening services, a couple of evening services. And um, we immediately realized that this is a go. And so uh, January, the first Sunday in January, 1983, we began Sunday morning service. Okay, thanks. Now... There's a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are new in leadership and maybe new pastors or maybe new in business or whatever. Um, but for somebody who's new, as you look back at those early days, are there some things in retrospect you would have done different? See, if I would have had I known, I would have probably done a few things different. Or you think basically the way it all worked out was it was basically, you know, flawless, seamless. Well, <laughs> Of course, there's things we would do different. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so there was a lot of trial and error and kind of sure. that, that would happen. And that's okay. Right. Yeah. But I, I had some other people around me to help guide me, to help speak into my, into my life, uh, to give me some pointers along the way. Um, so, you know, I, I think back then uh, I didn't know much about building teams, okay. you know, not learning how to build yes. teams. Um, uh, Hiring staff, you know, right. I, there were things I'd do different now in, sure. in hiring staff. But you said you had people to look over your shoulder and to help you. Right. So that was a positive thing for you. Very positive. Many, yes. many leaders, they get a vision from God and bang, they go out and do it. They have no accountability, no oversight. And that can be really hard. Right, right. Yeah. Now, it, but it was looking back, having, having some of those people uh, in my life to just go to and ask questions uh, was, was very key. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that church today, Petra Christian Fellowship, one of the major churches here in our region, and you've got outreaches throughout the world, you know, key key barn, so to speak. Right. And which now the Hope All Network today. So when did you get more involved in the network? I, I, it, let's go there first, and then we'll go back to Petra. When did you, so you were involved in the network, obviously, because the oversight of the network is helping you. Uh, and then, but you're now the leader of the network. Right. So when did that happen? And you don't have to get into all kind of detail, but just right. give us a little feel. Right. The, there was kind of two phases to the development of the Hopewell Network. Okay. One was um, when we planted the church, there was a revival going on at Hopewell. You right. know, there was many people coming to faith in Christ. Yeah. I went just, there, I remember. I heard about right. the revival. I went to experience it. Back, yeah. The charismatic movement, all, right. all of that. It was just exploding. Yes. Within 12 years, 11 churches were planted out of the Hopewell Church, the Mother Church. So we were in the midst of all of that. We were still part of the Mennonite denomination. Okay. And so we were considered a district of the denomination. So that continued until 2020. Uh, or 2001. Okay. 2001, um, the Mennonite Church was going through a, a major change, of uh, becoming Mennonite Church USA. There was right, a lot of change, right. and they were and they were giving all the churches and districts the option of whether to go with that okay. change or or not. Mm. And we decided we are not going to go along with that. There was enough of a difference in how we were functioning in more of a New Testament model of leadership, um, more of a spirit-filled focus. So we decided then to leave the denomination and become our own network. Okay. So since 2001, we have, we have been the Hopewell Network. So okay. that's when that was officially okay. established. Okay. And were you leading the network at that point? Uh, yes. Okay. I was. I, so I led through that transition. Okay. And it was it was a good transition for us. Um, sure. We really worked hard at trying to maintain our relationships with the, our denominational sure. leaders, and um, there was they laid hands on us and sent us out as a new network. And so that was important to me that we right. could have So for that. the last twenty years, give or take a few years, you've been leading a local church until recently. We'll talk about right. that soon. That transition. And leading the network, and now you're obviously full-time leading the network, the Hopewell Network, which is today a global network. That's correct. Right. Yes. Okay. Okay. So then, uh, as you walk through this process, you know, are there a few key leadership principles that you feel like that stands out? That's something I really learned. I'm glad I learned. Or that I would have done differently as you look through some of that process. Oh, boy. Yeah, there's... Um there's definitely things that I've learned along the way. You can't, can't be in ministry for exactly. like 40, 50 years and not learn, learn some things. Um, I think the, the whole thing that I mentioned already of, of learning how to hire staff yeah. has been really key mm -hmm. because the church continued to grow and we had yeah. to keep adding staff. Yeah. And um, it's easy to hire, hard to unhire. <laughs> That's true. So, um, true. So there's some things I've you know learned through the years about taking the time, and that's okay. looking back. That's probably one thing that I wish I would have done different was take more time to process some of that. Okay. Instead of just saying, "Hey, we need somebody. Let's fill that slot," 
and then it doesn't work out. Yeah, you made a very true statement. It's much easier to hire or put somebody in a position of leadership. Right. And if they're the wrong fit, <laughs> help them find a way out. That can be very painful. It can be, can be very, very tough. So if a younger leader is asking you for advice today and say, how do you be a healthy leader? How do you have a healthy team? Are there any other insights that you see where it would be on top of your head? You say, yeah, that's something that I'd like to talk about. It's something I'd like to share with you. A while back, I heard somebody make the, the statement that we need, as leaders, we need to continue to watch the gauge on our gas tank. Yeah, yeah. That, and uh, that really stuck with me because as leaders, especially those of us that are visionary, very driven, we can just go, you know, 100 mile an hour every day, just th- throwing ourselves into it. But like with a gas tank, with the gas tank's full, you can go 100 mile an hour. Right. When the gas ca- tank is about empty, you can right. still go 100 mile an hour, but you're going you're gonna to end up in a problem. That is right. So I've learned to, to take the time for self-care, take the time to refill, refuel my gas tank. Talk about that. And like, what, say, does that what does that look like? I'd say right? that to, to leaders. Yeah. You, you need to take breaks. Yeah. You, you need to come up for air. You yeah. know, and, uh, you, you're talking about... Monthly, weekly, yearly, sabbaticals. What are you talking about? Well, you you kind of have your weekly, uh, weekly, daily kind of pattern that you, you yes. normally have, which yes. is you know your prayer, Bible reading, sure. you know, that kind of thing. But I'm talking about taking some time away. Good. Uh, just good. Maybe monthly or every couple months. Yeah. Just take a take a break. So good. And get away and just get quiet. Stop yeah. the noise. Yeah. yeah. There's so much noise. The phone yes. ringing, emails, texts. You know things that you're that they're always there and you're always responding to it. And you just got to kind of stop that at times and make sure you're you're hearing God clearly and what's he saying to you so you're learning to rest both spiritually rest and be refreshed emotionally you know relationally right. so many ways right so so that to me that's huge is is yeah. the the time just to Good. take a break especially you know we've come through a really difficult two years uh with COVID and with everything that's yeah, happened let's talk about that with, with leaders and so a lot of leaders are exhausted. Right. And, you know, we know, on, especially in the national scene, there's a lot that are resigning. Or right. just They just don't have it in them anymore to continue. Uh, leaders have really been hit from every angle. Mm-hmm. You know, you, no matter what you did, there was a no-win situation. People were going to criticize you mm-hmm. for, for your decisions you were making. So... Um, Leaders are, 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 are really exhausted. And so, again, we need to take a break. And I would just encourage leaders to, whoever they need to get permission from, to say, I need some time off. Yeah. I, I, need, to, I need to back off of my schedule a bit. I need, to, I need to take care of myself. Yeah. And then you're ready to go again. But on, until you do that, it's, mm-hmm. it's really, really hard. Sure. Have you had mentors in your life? You mentioned a few minutes ago, way back you did, but through the years, has that been helpful, having people to reach out to, talk to us about how you do that or did that? And of course, today you're a mentor to many. You're a spiritual father to many, both in the Hopewell Network and beyond. Uh, Talk about that a bit. Well, I think you and I both grew up in an era where there wasn't there was not a lot of mentors around us. We we had to learn to kind of go on our own and find right. our mentors. Right. So a lot of the mentors in my life early on were, it was nothing official, nothing right. planned. Sure. It was just, I just kind of latched on to people to yeah. ask them questions, yeah. to watch them, um, to, 
you know, go to seminars of leaders yeah. that I admired, that type yeah. of thing. So that that's how my mentoring that's in good. the early days really, really happened. And that's it is a it is a way of mentoring, right. of, of right. receiving from people, right. uh, drawing drawing out of other people what you need. And uh, but then I had um, I had a number of people in my life going back. You know, my I do believe my youth leader was mm. was a mentor. Again, mm. it wasn't anything official. Sure, but I've learned things from him. He taught me to really love the scriptures, study okay. the scriptures, um, and uh, to believe in healing. So some of that planted some things in me. Uh, then my I became associate pastor before I was pastor in my own church, and so that pastor became a mentor to me. Again, it was more more watching. Sure, there wasn't a lot of sit down talking, explaining things, right. teaching me. It was just like um, follow me and just watch what I do. It was the kind of the pattern of, of mentoring, especially in that day. Um, Johnny Salsfus, an older man. I remember Johnny. Uh, there was something about. I've always wanted older men in my life. Mm. Um, I always, there's a lot of my peers that was great, but there was, who are the older men yeah, that have I walked agree. with the Lord for you know years beyond me, and how can I just get close to them and draw draw from them from what they've learned? And Johnny Stoss was one, was yeah. one of those guys. He's now gone to be with the Lord. But he was a man of uh, great wisdom. He was prophetic. He, he was... Um, a man who demonstrated what it mm. meant to walk in the spirit. Yeah, he did. And uh, I just really drew, Beautiful. drew from him. So today, obviously, you're a father in the Lord. You're a mentor in the Lord to many leaders, to apostolic leaders and nations, to pastors of churches, etc. So what does that look like today now that you've given a bit of your story about looking for mentors and what that looked right. like for you, people like Johnny. How does it look today as you now are a father? You are a mentor. I say father, spiritual father, obviously. What's that look like, Lester? I'm, I've just transitioned from pastoring church. We'll talk about that. Wait, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. We'll talk about that later. But yeah. I'm, right now, I'm my role has changed to the point where I have more time to focus on mentoring, yeah, more time to focus on pastors. So yes. I'm going around and visiting all the churches, having Good. some more quality time with the pastors, and they're starting to reach out more to me because sure. they know I'm more available now. So you know, one of the regrets is maybe I didn't make this move earlier that I have more time to pour into the pastors. Um, but uh, it's it's good. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to this next season of. Uh, just being able to pour into the leaders that I that I have, but also some of the younger leaders sure. coming up. Good. Now let, let's talk about this succession process that you went through. Okay. Because you know all over the world, you know the Jesus movement in here in the states, and and of course in other, some other parts of the world, and the charismatic movement, etc. All these new thousands of churches were started, movements started, and the leaders, the young leaders of those who were often in their twenties back years ago in the seventies, eighties, right. mm -hmm. early nineties. They now are getting older and they're transitioning both local churches and even some cases movements to the next generation. So how did that feel for you? I'm assuming you started that process. Uh, it's usually best if the person who's going to be, you know, going to be having others in leadership replace them if they start the process. So talk about how that happened for you, how that worked for you. Because, I, I mean, everything I've seen, it's been a wonderful process. It's been healthy. People are affirming you. They're affirming the new leadership. It's been a great blessing. So uh, talk to me. Talk to us about that. Let, let me say this first. 
in working with pastors over the last 20 some years and overseeing leaders, I've seen some good transitions and some really right. difficult transitions. Right. And so my heart has always been burdened. It's, we got to learn how to do this better. Yeah. And I've seen um, a lot of the really difficult transitions. In my opinion, the pastors stayed too long. Mm-hmm. They should have been. Uh, they should have been initiating right. the discussion and moving ahead in, in some of that, but they were holding on to it and and until basically they had to let go, and and then it wasn't good. Right, and and um, it was hard for me. Uh, about ten years ago, I took a sabbatical. How old, how old were you when you this happened? Approximately. Uh, so, so I'm 67 now, so 57. 57. I took I took a, a sabbatical, and during the sabbatical, as I was praying about, and Lord, what are you, you know, what are you saying for me? Where are we going? The the Lord dropped in my spirit that I am supposed to plan to transition in ten years. Okay. So so now I had kind of a marker that that I knew where I was heading with the with the transition. Um, I shared that with the elders uh, early on and said that's my what I feel the Lord is saying, and we need to keep that in mind. It wasn't, we didn't do anything immediately about right. it, but just simply for the elders to know that was doing something. Right. It was preparing them, right. giving them permission now to start talking about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that that was the start of the process. Okay. So what are some keys, things you feel like you did right in the process? And were there any things looking back and think, oh, I wish you would have changed it a bit? Just talk about that process a bit and, and what that over those 10 years and what that looked like the, the I mean, thing did you get out did you get help to help yeah you the thing it? the the thing we did which was really really helpful which i would encourage every leader to do working through transition is to get get an outside person involved yeah, i agree there's too many feelings and things that come up within. Exactly. Uh, there's we we have our own biases. We have our own issues. Uh, uh, the the team, the elder team, they have their issues. You know, the, we have the history. So we need somebody with an outside perspective. Right. And and with some expertise. Right. Because I never went through this before, so right. I didn't have expertise. I can I read some books, sure, and, and that was helpful. But I, we needed somebody to walk with us, and somebody that could ask the hard questions. Right. Somebody that could listen to my wife and I privately about mm-hmm. our concerns. Sure. And somebody that could listen to the elders privately about their concerns, and and help us all come on the same page. Sure. Uh, develop a timeline. How are we going to walk this out? Develop a communications plan how are we going to communicate this when should we communicate this uh, to the congregation and then the whole process of choosing the the my successor Mm -hmm. uh, that that can be really tricky especially if you have a couple people uh, in-house that say i think god's calling me to that so an outside person can really help sort through all of those issues and um, we came out in a good, healthy place, and we've had a good transition. You did, yeah. And I've, I've you know, that your successor is a wonderful man of God. He's doing a great job already. And you're now free to really give your time to the whole family, to the right. network itself. Uh, now, what we really want to focus on in the few minutes we have here in the podcast uh, is we want to talk more about some of these key leadership 
you know, principles that you've learned over the years. And you and I and Sam Smucker, Pastor Sam and Barry Whistler wrote this book, Straight Talk to Leaders. Right. Some years ago, if you remember, I remember when we made this decision to write this, we said, we each write two chapters, eight chapters total. And we'll just take the key things that we learned over the years and put in these chapters. You had so much stuff, I remember. We added stuff at the, at the end of your, all these nuggets of right. truth. And so I think I'm, I'm going to have you back and we're going to talk more about this. But I want to at least ask you a few questions about this today. Okay. Uh, if that, that'd be, uh, that would, I think, be helpful. Uh, again, you used some terminology I thought was really, really helpful. You talked about what you call energy sappers. You said, be careful that you, don't get, you, that you deal properly with energy sappers. So uh, let's, let's talk about that. What is an energy sapper? Okay. It, well, first of all, it's not people that have genuine needs and need right. some pastoral care. Right. We need to, that's what we're called to, to, Thank to you help people, that. to disciple people, to walk with people. But there, there's other people that that come into our lives and they just want our attention. They want our time. They have no desire to change. Right. They just want attention. Yeah. And um, as leaders, we we need to learn how to um, invest our time wisely in people. And so, pour your energy into those that really want help, really want to change. And uh, you know, some of the others, I still give them some time, but it's I, I don't let them take all of my time. How do you gracefully handle that? If somebody really wants all your time, how do you gracefully handle that? Well, depending on what their their um, issue is, right. I can say, you know, there's somebody else that I think is better able than to, to help true. you than what, yeah. than what I can. That's and true. so I, I refer them to someone else mm -hmm. and all of that. And if they keep coming back, I could go back. Did you go talk to that person? Did you set up an appointment? Yeah. Uh, so that's one of the ways that I... All right, Unhelpful. so beware of energy sappers again and know the difference between those who have genuine needs and yes. those who are just sapping energy because right. they have some inward need that needs to be fulfilled by spending time with you. And I say this, you will always have um, people around you that are not just needy, but uh, they're just, they're, they just need that father touch right. they just need you to say hi to them sure. they just need they just need that and and i try to always be available for that sure. so there's so there's some of those people that that they will they will try find me you know on a sunday morning and all they need me to do is give them give them a you know loving pat on the back or just say hi to them listen to them sure. for 30 seconds and they're fine I remember asking a, a Mennonite bishop many years ago as a young pastor, and there were those kinds of persons. I right. felt like they, these need, they had this need for a touch, right. you know. And I said, "What do we? How do we handle this? We're a growing church. How do we handle this?" He looked at me. He said, "Remember, Jesus said, the poor you're with you always.' Right. And some are poor of spirit, and you simply need to, right. you know, in the genuineness of your heart, right. just love on them, and because th they would need that. And recognize there always will be people that we're serving." who will simply have those kinds of needs. Yes. Now, let's talk about balance. You, are, I've known you as a balanced person for years. I mean, that's something you've brought to the body of Christ. I think you really understand balance. Talk about how balance is a key for these things. What does that look like? Well, there's been times in my life that I definitely, from my perspective, was not in balance. <laughs> you, know, you have these new fads and new teachings right. and things that come through, and you think, yeah, this is it. You know, you go for it. And, and you know, I've created... Early in my ministry, I think I created some whiplash for some of the 
the church. The church. I did. You know, going this direction, and then no, we're going this direction now. And so, balance is able to uh, to keep some of those things in perspective. Not not throwing things out, but finding a way to do this, but still keep doing this. Okay. That we don't have to throw everything out, change everything. But we find a way to incorporate the good and the That's new good. things with, without um, you know, destroying what God has done in the sure, past. Sure, That's good. You know, there, you, you, there's so many more questions I want to ask you about from this book, Straight Talk to Leaders, what we wish we would have known when we started. And I'm going to have you back. We're going to talk more about that. But you've written some other books, and I would like to also just talk a bit about that. You wrote a book called Leading Together, and I think it has to do with men and women leading together. Is that right? Yes. And by the way, anybody listening, you check out the show notes. All this will be on the show notes, all the, the titles of the books, how to, the Hope All Network, how to get a hold of Lester, all that this is Lester is a major leader in the body of Christ and the Hope All Network is serving around the world you know there's a movement of movements really around the world and I want to make sure everyone knows that you can get this information talk to us about leading together leading together came out of our journey as a network of churches on how do we embrace the gifts, the calling of women in leadership, yeah. in leadership in the church. In the business world, it's pretty acceptable, but right. the church has been struggling with that, and we struggle with that. Sure. Uh, should, should women be elders? Should women be pastors? And, and so the booklet is a bit about my journey in that and what I discovered in, in, uh, from a biblical perspective right. of how I believe we can use the, the gifts of men and women together in the church, in leadership. And so, uh, to me, it's, it has to be based in biblical principles, not just cultural cues that we get. But what does the Bible have to say right. about it? And I realized that growing up, I had a certain um, perspective that was more cultural than it was biblical correct, correct. in this area. So we address that in the Leading Together booklet. So we should really have Irma here, your wife here. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Talk together about how you do that. Oh, uh, she's been through a lot. Do that. She, right. I'm sure your wife is too. You know, exactly. As we, but we've been growing. We've been learning. Right. And I'm just so glad where the body of Christ is today on some of these issues. Exactly. It has released the next generation of women to, to really so hear God, follow God, and their exactly. calling in their life. And that is the biblical perspective. Yeah. I really agree. You wrote this book called Broken Identity. Talk to us about that. And, and again, some of these books are on Amazon, and some of these books you can just get by going to the website, the Hope on Network website on the, on the show notes. Talk to us about that. Broken Identity, it's a, a booklet about the biblical perspective on sexual orientation, homosexuality, transgenderism. Wow. And that's a huge issue in it the is. church, especially transgenderism is now the front uh, the front lead on some of the sexual issues uh, so we need to address that you know where do we stand again from a biblical perspective but yet from a compassionate pastoral perspective how do we work with that uh, in our churches and especially if we're reaching the community we're reaching the lost and yeah. uh, you know our culture is inundated with all these messages that are out there that are not biblical. Exactly. So this booklet tries to give a helpful Great biblical perspective on addressing this issue. Again, that's called uh, Broken Identity. And uh, again, you can check all that out on the show notes. And talk to us about the Anguish of Suicide booklet you have here. That came out of some, some uh, difficult experiences we've had as a church with some suicide issues. One, a young man. And... Uh, 
So my heart was, how do we help sure. people that are struggling with suicide? And then uh, some EMTs came to me and said, we're having repeat people we're picking up that are trying to commit suicide. Can't you put something together that we can give in the wow, ambulance to, the, to these people that are, are so discouraged, so despondent, depressed, that they're trying to take their lives? And so I work with our two of our counselors, uh, Benjamin Dodd, who is our psychologist, works right. out of our church, and Candace Gudgeon, uh, another counselor. And we put together a booklet to give to people that are struggling with suicidal thoughts, ideations. And uh, the, the ambulance crews are, are giving these out to some of the people And that as book well. is When Living Feels Hopeless. Well, when Living right? Feels Hopeless. Yeah, right. It's a pastoral Amazing. clinical response to those struggling with suicide. Then the other booklet I wrote was for, it's called The Anguish of Suicide. It's for like the parents of kids who have committed suicide, family members, friends, uh, how do you deal with the aftermath of a suicide? And so that, again, a very pastoral approach. It's actually part of a message I preached at one of the funeral services. And uh, these booklets have become, been going out. People have been giving wow. them to their friends, and hopefully it's saving some lives. I'm sure. Yeah, thank you for writing these really important resources, because these are resources that are so needed. And many of us in leadership really would not have the, the grace, the understanding, the background that you have in helping so many people. And uh, this is just amazing. What about this little book, Encouragement from God's Word? Encouragement from God's Word. Probably of, of all the booklets that I've written, that one uh, is the most popular. Uh, it's simply scripture that I compiled and put together into different themes. And I wrote that while I, I was diagnosed with cancer. And during that time, I just got into the Word and just left the Word of God right. speak to me, help me. And I found it so, such life-giving that I put it together in, in a booklet, and people are just giving it to their friends. Pastors are using it, going when, when they're out yeah, visiting cool. people. You can just open it up, and right there are some encouraging scriptures to give to people. Beautiful. And you are cancer-free today. Yes, I am. Praise God. Yes. That's wonderful. God heal me. Yeah, amen. You learned so much through that whole process, and now you're helping yes. so many other people with it. Is there anything else you'd want our listeners to know about leadership as we close our podcast today? Uh, something that I would encourage every leader to consider is developing a, what I call a prayer shield. Mm. I think John Maxwell had promoted yes. that concept a while back. And I've had that over <clears throat> for uh, for many many years, twenty some years. I've had a prayer shield. Beautiful. And uh, we we meet. I you ch I chose them. People I trusted. People I felt didn't have an agenda other than caring for me. And we meet every month. And I give them my itinerary. They're praying for me right now. Beautiful. And uh, but they prayed th for our children through some of their teenage years sure. and all of those issues. That has been a huge help for my That's wife so and good. I, a very safe place, safe people, uh, where we're not talking about church business. They're just asking, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. So I've encouraged all of our pastors to develop a prayer shield. That's beautiful. We do the same. We have a key intercessors that we meet with on a regular basis, just care about Laverne and I and our family and just focus on and key things that we're involved in. Uh, and it's just a safe place yes. for and to have prayer and have that covering. And pastors prayer. need that. Leaders need that. You yeah. need people around you yeah. uh, just covering you, protecting you. And um, Yeah, it's so, yes. so good. 
Lester Zimmerman, it's been a joy. I want to have you back. There's so much more that I want to talk to you about and hear from you in regard to the Straight Talk, the leader's book that we had written together and all the insights you have on that. And a lot of those, I want to ask you about some of those nuggets of truth that you've learned, those key things. And uh, so thank you for being with me today. And uh, again, we'll look forward to having you back real soon. Thank you, Larry. Now, I just wanted to say to everybody, you listen today, we've got these great resources that are on the show notes, Lester Zimmerman, Hopewell Network, Global Network of Churches, and uh, be free to check that out. And uh, again, on the Larry Carter Leadership Podcast, we're looking at those little changes we can make that make a massive difference in our lives and the lives of others as we serve them. So whether you're a church leader or a future church leader, or whether you're a ministry leader, business leader, there's so many areas of leadership, uh, this podcast is for you. So thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to, to having you back again real soon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Larry Kreider's Leadership Podcast. If you want more information about any of Larry's books, daily devotionals, small group resources, or any other teachings, go to LarryKreider.com.